0: Coaching Podcast. We're teaching spiritual coaches how to guide Christians into a full and fearless devotion to God. Welcome! The goal of the Spiritual Coaching Podcast is to encourage and equip those whose God-given mission is to provide spiritual direction to the Church of Jesus Christ. We're training warriors to fight for the human heart. Our spiritual coaching is driven by a singular belief, that every wound in our heart that's left untouched by God will hinder how deeply we can know Him and how fully we can follow Him. Only healthy hearts are free to develop a relationship with God that outlasts the pressures of life and every unworthy claim for our loyalty and devotion.
1: Hello and thanks for listening. My hope is that these podcasts will help raise the collective spiritual temperature of the church as together we head closer to living up to a biblical standard of holiness. You, spiritual coaches, are the key delivery system for bringing about that warming of hearts. Obviously, we're depending on the Spirit of God to shed the needed light and and to wake people up to the truth, but that often comes through a delivery system that you are a part of. Now, in the last episode, couple episodes, I shared my strong foundational belief that we should never accept continued defeat to the same sin, but must expect that we'll continue to give in to sin now and again to, you know, old weaknesses and new temptations. In this episode of the Spiritual Coaching Podcast, we're going to consider what that will realistically look like in someone's growth path. Uh, I want to help spiritual coaches move from the promise of victory over sin to the practical application of what that looks like. In what may seem like a contradiction at first, I want to release people from the guilt and condemnation by reminding everyone that we all face temptations that refuse to bow to sheer determination, discipline, and good intentions alone. Sometimes, sincere desire and effort won't be enough. Loyalty to Jesus, even proven, tested, and tried devotion, will meet defeat. That might not be what you expected to hear, but hang on with me. Everyone will face the failure that the Bible says we shouldn't put up with. I'm going to tell you what's going on when that happens and what to do about it. But first, here's another potentially shocking statement, Uh, maybe not to those of you unfamiliar with church, but to those who are. Here it is. Prayer, reading the Bible, trying harder, they are not the recipe for victory over stubborn sin. Okay? Let's hear that again. Prayer, reading the Bible, trying harder, anything else you want to put in that list. They are not any, uh, any spiritual disciplines is the word we use to describe those practices. They are not the recipe for victory over stubborn sins. I've been waging war against pat answers in the church for years. Uh, pat, answers, <coughs> pat answers that only make things worse for people. When they get a cliché response to their serious questions, they walk away feeling that there's something wrong with them, maybe that God won't help them, Um, because the answer just sounded hollow and unhelpful, especially to those who are already trying hard to change through the use of spiritual habits. Since reading their Bible more, praying more, trying trying harder have not helped them uh, like some claim it will, They conclude there's either something wrong with them or with God. Now, this is not a conclusion that anyone, uh, that we want anyone to come to, but especially not one that spiritual coaches want to push people towards. So let me say this. Discipline is not for defeating stubborn sins. Jesus is. Now, anyone who's been around a solid Bible-believing church for any time has heard this over and over again, but that's a little too vague. Um, And Christ followers sometimes or often become become confused by the means for maintaining victory and the way to gain it. There's a difference between fighting for it and keeping it safe and secure. What Christians usually throw around in either case is only the means for keeping something, not securing it. Those spiritual disciplines aren't for spiritual victory. They're for protecting and keeping ground, not for retaking new ground. Militarily speaking, the strategy for protecting from attack and striking out as an attacker are very different for obvious reasons. Spiritual coaches take note of this distinction. Something more is needed for turning failure into success. A different strategy other than sheer discipline and more of what we've already been doing is required for gaining victory. Now, that'll be explained as we progress. What I want to do right now is lay out the difference between freedom and maturity. I I spoke last session about gaining victory, but I didn't explain, due to the time, what needs to happen after we secure victory. So, I'm going to begin with a punchline. Freedom is instantaneous. Maturity is gradual. Again, freedom is instantaneous. Maturity is gradual. If we ask God to forgive us, it's done. As simple as that. 1 John 1.9 says that if we confess our sins, that God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I found that God will heal the hurt left behind if we seek that as well. The the wounds we receive from another and the wounds we inflict on ourselves, be it regret or guilt, can be healed instantly. There is no condemnation coming from God when we belong to Christ Jesus. Uh, Memories persist. Scars that are sensitive to touch remain, but the gaping open wounds are gone, are largely forgotten, and carry no power over us anymore. If we ask our Father God for a good gift for whatever we need to sustain our hearts, He'll not give us a stone or snake. Instead, when we look for Him wholeheartedly, we will find Him. A simple prayer activates the victory of Christ on our behalf. However, living into the new victory takes time. Let me repeat that again. A simple prayer activates the victory of Christ on our behalf. But living into that new victory, uh, flushing it out, it's progressive. It takes time. In warfare, once victory has been gained, the victor still doesn't possess all of the land they conquered. They have to go in and, and survey the damage that their own bombs did. Look around, rebuild, spread out, and gradually possess or repossess the land. It's the same with spiritual victory. Old habits die hard. Freedom doesn't automatically or magically rebuild what the war has ruined. Freedom doesn't change those ingrained ruts. They must be filled in and packed down and new ruts created over time. What can happen is if we don't grasp this truth is that, uh, you know, after asking God to heal or free us, you know, we go and we stumble into that sin again. Then we immediately conclude, or hear the accusing voice of the enemy in our heads telling us that it didn't work, that God isn't real, that he doesn't love us or some other lie, none of which is good for our relationship with God. We win the war, but then we start looking around at the new territory we've gained, and we see the destruction. It doesn't feel like victory, and we still have old habits that rear their ugly head. This is the difference between freedom and maturity, the difference between instantaneous victory and the rebuild to maturity. When the the victor goes into the land they've won, there still is often pockets of resistance that either refuse to surrender or maybe that haven't heard about the fact that the war is over. In our metaphor, there are pockets of sin and sympathy that need individual application of the freedom before all the fighting against us will stop. So, when someone has asked God to secure their freedom, but they still live in some sort of defeat, there's two likely scenarios that explain this disappointment. Okay? So they've prayed, they've asked God to forgive them, to set them free, but then they go out and it seems as if nothing has changed. Two likely scenarios. First is that they have their freedom, but they don't realize that the bondage to the particular sin it has a lot of roots, all of which will need to be dug out before full victory can be known. The longer we live in defeat, the deeper those habits get worked into our heart, both in responses and beliefs, for example, the, that will never beat it. So like digging out a tree stump, you have to get all the tendrils and that big taproot in the center. Or to use our war illustration, you have to squash all the pockets of remaining resistance. Whatever you plead to God, uh, whatever that brought victory over, until the hole is big enough to expose all the roots and hack them all out, you'll break your chain or your truck before that root will give up uh, its, its hold on the ground. So in that scenario, full freedom is not available because the enemy is still entrenched in various places in our hearts. Now, there's another likely scenario, scenario number two. It's simply that old habits die hard. Freedom gives us the ability to now choose a different response, where before we fell into sin because of agreement with it. But making the choice isn't easy. New habits must replace the old. At first, we may get deep into an old, this old sinful routine. The rut takes us for a while before we realize what we're doing. But over time, if we know faithfully we choose a different reaction, to God, when when we're, it's revealed to us that, oh, you're going down that old path, if we respond differently in the new freedom that we have, that awareness will pop up closer and closer to the time of the first temptation, until eventually, awareness will accompany the temptation, and the choice for godliness will occur before the sin begins. Then, victory has grown up into a mature adult. So, in this scenario... The enemy is completely gone, but the remaining defeat is just old habits. Our old internal battle, not an enemy presence. You know, I was recently talking to a devoted Christ follower who had recently turned to God in a new area of their lives and had won a victory over something that had been holding them back for from God for years. And for years they prayed, but to no avail. Uh, they made the effort to, to talk to Coach, discover the why behind the what, Uh, what the roots were that were feeding this growth, the problem that was under the hood. They discovered some wrong thinking and wrong believing and sinful agreements with lies and defeat. They asked God to forgive them and to set them free from all of that. Three weeks later, everything was different. But here's the point I wanted to make. When telling me about this new victory, they said, you know what? I'm now praying the same prayer that I've been praying for years. Only now, it made a difference. Now, I feel different about the prospects of change. Now, I have hope behind the prayer instead of doubt. And now, I live with greater joy and love for God. That perfectly explains why we sometimes have success and other times failure. It's the difference between treating a symptom and treating the real disease. The prayer that was prayed to begin with targeted a symptom as if it was the root problem, so it was ineffective. But after the root was gone, the same prayer was effective because it was targeting only the habit. The root sin was not targeted anymore because it was gone. Now, in all honesty, that person wasn't doing that great one week after they prayed their prayer for victory. But it got better two weeks after. And it was still improving three weeks after. And will continue to spread until the old ruts are filled in and new ruts of believing and thinking are put in its place. New rusts that honor and trust God are, are, are now made. Sometimes, right after victory, we look around and the immediate evidence doesn't seem to support the belief that God indeed did set us free. No worries. Stand firm in your belief. Spiritual coaches, hear me on this. Help people do this. Reject, in this window of opportunity that Satan desperately wants to use against you, any thought that God did nothing and can't be trusted. Spiritual coaches, make sure you warn of this. You know, I even have a post-freedom homework I give out to proactively combat the tenuous season between victory and maturity so that nothing is given back to the enemy. And here's another analogy that I use in my coaching sessions that I think will help give you a mental image of what I'm trying to describe. Think about the last time you bought a new-to-you car. As you drive down the road in that new, shiny vehicle, you eventually need to change the heat setting, the radio, the cruise. So you reach for the controls without thinking about it. What do you do? You instinctively reach for them where they were in your old heap. It's a deeply ingrained habit, one that happens below the conscious level. So here you are sitting in a new car, the old is gone, the new has come, but you're still acting like you did when you were driving that broken down mess you just got rid of. It's not because you're really still sitting in the old car, but because the old car habits are still in you. Over time, you begin to drive like you're in the new vehicle, because you learn new habits, you realize that the, the, the volume knob for the radio is in a different place than it was in the old car. But for a while, there's a conflict, a contradiction between what you do and what you drive. This has to be understood. This has to be accepted. This has to be uh, worked on. What I'm describing is the difference between freedom and maturity. The difference between deliverance and development. As spiritual coaches, don't let people confuse the two because if, if they do, great discouragement will follow and probably more defeat. Spiritual maturity does not come by way of a miracle. It comes through making an effort to believe God promises and believe as if you do and to live as you, if you do. Okay? Let me repeat that. Spiritual maturity doesn't come by way of a miracle. Spiritual freedom is different, but spiritual maturity comes by way, does not come by way of a miracle. It comes through making an effort to believe God's promises and to live as if you do. Once freedom is secured, then you can go back to discipline, to the spiritual disciplines. Trying harder will make a difference. Reading your Bible more will make a difference. Uh, Praying more, it will make a new difference. The Apostle Peter describes it this way in 2 Peter 1. In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence and uh, moral excellence with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with patient endurance and patient endurance with godliness and godliness with brother affection and brotherly affection with love for everyone. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, now those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed From their old sins. Okay, did you hear that? If you want to read those, it's 1 Peter 1, verses 5 through 9. The more we grow in our knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, the more productive and useful we are. Those who fail to develop by supplementing their faith or their freedom with these things are blind to the truth that they're not the old, dirty person anymore. They don't come to know that they have been made clean and new and free by Jesus. So our faith needs to be supplemented. Our freedom needs to be supplemented with effort to change the old habits that cling to us. Slowly, gradually, through moral excellence, plus knowledge, plus self-control, plus patient endurance, plus godliness, plus brotherly affection, plus love for everyone, we grow, and we both get to know God better and become more productive. It's a process. Freedom is instantaneous. Ah, uh, forgiveness is instantaneous. Maturity takes time. Once you have your freedom, discipline will bear fruit. Where before it brought frustration, like in the story I told, now it leads to hope. Freedom comes before maturity. No freedom, no maturity, no matter how hard you struggle. (coughs) Maturity will never come, and neither will the first-hand confidence in God that you need and want without freedom. If you don't accept God's promises like we're no longer slaves to sin. All the supplementing of our faith we do won't lead to victory or knowledge of God. Discipline will just dis- will produce discouragement and anger and all manner of other destructive responses if we aren't free to allow that habit and practice to change the way we think, feel and live. The stuff of Christian cliché. Just try harder, pray more, read your bible more. That works. It will lead to maturity, but something more is necessary. For freedom. In the next episode of a spiritual coaching podcast, we'll cover these inevitable, you know, desert experiences that all Christians, Christ followers endure, and and the role of the spiritual coach to help keep that dryness that we all experience from leading to stagnation and then from slipping into spiritual ruin.
0: We're honored that you've taken the time to give us a listen as we teach spiritual coaches how to guide Christians into a full and fearless devotion to God. If you'd like to contact Pastor Kara to ask a question, give feedback, or sign up for coaching, you have two options. First, you can visit our coaching website by going to coaching. Be sure to hyphenate Life Coaching. When there, just click the button in the blue banner. On that page, you'll also find free tools to use in your spiritual coaching practice. Additionally, you will find a link to a blog where you can get a transcript of today's show, filled with Bible references and other content not mentioned on the podcast. Second, you can email Pastor Carrie directly at carrie at 2rivers.church. That's Carrie-K-E-R-R-Y at 2 Rivers.church. Rivers if this content was helpful, please jump over to iTunes and SoundCloud. Search for the Spiritual Coaching Podcast and give us a like and share the podcast so that more people like yourself can find us. Again, thank you, and we hope to see you on our next episode of the Spiritual Coaching Podcast.